The ambassador to the United Nations and former Ontario Premier Bob Ray joins me on Toronto Today. We're talking issues of Russia, Ukraine, Iran, and much, much more. And uh, he lives in New York, so no doubt he's uh, kind of tugging and pulling for a Blue Jays-Yankees ALDS. We'd all like to see that. Oh, the drama. We have a chat with Bob Ray on Toronto Today. Mr. Ray, it is great to have you back on Toronto Today. Thanks very much for making the time. My pleasure, Greg. Good to be with you. Were you mildly conflicted as New York resident Aaron Judge cracked that uh, 61st home run last night against your Toronto Blue Jays? Yes, that would be a good way of describing <laughs> it. Uh, I, I think it, I, I, I desperately wanted the Jays to come back and win the game, uh, which we, of course, watched. We got to watch all the Yankees games here, here in New York on television. So. <laughs> but uh, but it, it, uh, it wasn't to be. Uh, but I was—I have to say—I—I I, I, was—I uh, was hoping that he gets to—he got sixty-one. I'm hoping he gets to sixty-two. Well, I'm hoping for your sake and our sake. We have a Blue Jays Yankees ALDS, and then uh, you know we we might see you taking public transit to the Bronx a time or two. You just never know. You never know. I will do. I I I, I have done that, and I will do that. <laughs> uh, and it's going to be very exciting. I I think it could could well happen. And I'm certainly rooting wholeheartedly for the Blue Jays to win the whole debate. Never doubt. Uh, on far more, um, you know, uh, I, like Sirius doesn't even quite cover it. This Nord Stream leak, I know just a couple hours ago, I'm seeing on BBC News early this morning, Sweden's found a new leak in the Russian gas pipeline. There's people that have theories about how this potentially happened. Do you think we'll eventually have evidence that that will prove how it happened? I don't know. Um, to be honest, um, I think... The most plausible explanation is that it's sabotage um, by the Russians in some form. Um, but look, uh, there will be lots of theories. I can assure you there will be lots of theories. The Russians have called a special meeting of the Security Council, uh, which they often do uh, when they're on the defensive. They'll call a meeting to go on the offensive uh, on this one. And they're they're putting out a theory that, you know, that it's the Americans who caused it. Which I think is is pretty implausible. I, I don't. I just don't think that's. I don't think that's true. But it's like many events, uh, mm -hmm. conspiracies of one kind or another. There'll be lots of theories. I think the point is that we're all the Europeans and and Canada has a role to play in this. Um, really, shouldn't be relying on Russia for their for their gas and and uh, their over reliance on Russia. And on that pipeline was uh, a serious, serious problem for them. And I think we've all seen the consequences of it. I think the last time we spoke was in the spring and, and the uh, Russia-Ukraine war, the Russian incursion invasion into Ukraine was probably three months in. And I know that that you were aligned with, with me thinking this isn't going to be something that that ends very quickly like this is Ukraine is in it for the long haul. I, I saw it quoted the other day. If Ukraine stops fighting, in essence, U Ukraine becomes part of Russia again. And if Russia stops fighting, then we can have serious discussions about what that looks like. What does an armistice looks like? What, what, what does what does ending the conflict look like? Um, but it is this was always going to be a long war. Uh, well, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly it's certainly not going to be a war that Ukraine can af can can afford to lose, and we can't afford as a country and as part of an alliance, we we cannot afford to allow Ukraine to to lose this war because it has such serious consequences, not only for Ukraine but for uh, any concept of a world order. Um, mm -hmm. 
Russia is breaking every single rule in the book. Um, they're an aggressive. They, they are the aggressor. Uh, they are attacking civilians. Um, there's massive evidence of of, uh, of torture and of uh, of human rights and and uh, war crimes and crimes against humanity abuses uh, at a catastrophic level. Uh, and and that's clear. That's not just. These are not allegations. This is the only conclusion one can reach from the evidence that we that we have and what we see. They're attacking uh, Ukrainian infrastructure. They're shutting down schools. They're blowing up hospitals. Uh, they're attacking train lines and, and everything else. Um, and then if if anybody says, well, we, we're going to we're going to take out their missile bases, they they of course say, well, now we're going to have a nuclear war. So they're they're playing uh, a, a terrible terrible game, and it's 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 awful to see. Um, and this this latest uh, gambit of of uh, annexing and and uh, taking over the territories that uh, they they have been uh, fighting over for the last uh, 10, 15 years uh, unilaterally without any agreement um, is completely contrary to the UN Charter. You cannot annex territory. You cannot take it over. You cannot just occupy and say this is mine. Uh, all these things are illegal, and the and the referendums are. Uh, another kind of crime because you're basically mm -hmm. coming up with a phony election uh, in in country in places that you've you've occupied and where you're terror, terrorizing the population. Yeah, so I, was, it, I was really disappointed there were media. I mean, look, I, it, it, it's live radio. I'm going to make my own mistakes, but I was really disappointed by some media sources like like actually quoting those <laughs> those referendums. Reuters did this and they quoted the referendum stats as. As you know, and then like the fourth paragraph in, there is some question about the legitimacy. I'm like, really, there is because 96 percent of, of people associated said, yes, we'd like to join Russia again. Like, that's not a news story. That's propaganda. Yeah, I mean, you've got to remember that uh, referenda like this uh, have a have a terrible precedent. And that is what Hitler did uh, in uh, in France and uh, in the territories between France and Germany and uh, in uh in the Sudetenland and elsewhere, when he was going on his rampage of uh, in the 30s, uh, which eventually led to the, the war in Poland and, and the beginning of the Second World War. So if Putin wants to be in that league, but that's up to him, but it, that's where he is. And these numbers of 96 and 98, 99.2, I mean, this is all uh, just made up stuff, and it's, it's crap. I mean, it, 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 it's terrible. And it is it is terrible. I mean, you may notice in my, in my Twitter account, I... I really saying a lot about how when the press talk about how something is alleged you say it's not alleged we know this is true uh th there's a reluctance for the many of the media to really come to the conclusions that we need you need to come to this, this russia has become a totalitarian dictatorship that is doing everything it can to oppress its own people uh and is an active aggressor in the war against uh, against ukraine it, it's that's the end of the story that's what it is one, one more before we have to break for a news update, and I'd love to spend a few more minutes with you after if we're able to. But but I'd ask you that you become premier in 1990. Mikhail Gorbachev, still president of of what then is and, and Russia and, and the Soviet Union starting to splinter into all the countries we know of now, Russia, Georgia, uh, Kazakhstan. Like there are things you can see coming in world history and things you can't. If I said to you when you're premier, Brian Mulroney's prime minister, you're premier and, and like we've got such improving relations with Mikhail Gorbachev in that country, where we're at now, 32 years later, I think that is unthinkable, to be honest. Or is it? 
Well, certainly, I mean, one had the sense in 1989 and 1990 that we were in the middle of uh, incredible world events. There were two that stood out for me. One of them was the collapse of the Berlin Wall uh, at the end of the 80s, and the other one was uh, Nelson Mandela's release from mm-hmm. uh, from uh, from prison. Uh, and those two events really symbolized for me the fact that things that people thought could never happen actually happened. Uh, and yes, we had great hopes uh, for our relationship with uh, with Russia um, after the collapse of of the wall. And actually, my wife and I, Arlene and I, went to uh, went to Lithuania in the winter of 1990 before I was elected premier mm-hmm. uh, to act as witnesses to the first democratic election in Lithuania mm-hmm. since uh, the since 1939. So it's, it's you know it was an incredible experience to be there and and to, and to have a chance to see history being made, um, and it, that those events had a major impact on my own thinking about what the world mm. could look like. Uh, but mm. the idea that we would be where we are with Putin, I must confess that when a former KGB agent became the president of Russia, I <laughs> I said, "Well, you can take you can take you can take the boy out of the KGB, but you can't." Understandable. Yeah. (laughs) We're very pleased to be joined by uh, the UN ambassador for Canada and former premier of this province. Uh, He is Bob Ray. He knows I've told him this before. That's my first ever vote. 1990 Middlesex is the riding. I voted for your friend and colleague, Irene Matheson. Yeah, sure. A lot of people (laughs) voted NDP. Well, they would have had to because we got more votes than we've ever got. That's how the map. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Barely beat Doug Raycraft in Middlesex by 500 votes. I feel like there should have been a recount. If I'm Mr. Raycraft's law, I don't know if the statute of limitations has come and gone, but close election in the Middlesex riding um, as I was a Western student uh, that moved out on my own, but I still went back and voted at uh, at Middlesex. A lot of close votes in that election. A lot of of them. Um, I know you had an important meeting yesterday um, about uh, Iran and where we're at, and and about the rights of Afghan women as well. That's been well documented for basically a year now. The Taliban have been back um, in charge, for lack of a better phrase. We're seeing this more in the Middle East. I want to ask you about Iran. We've seen a lot of rising up in protests before, but they're usually quickly quelled. Does this one... Ambassador, feel different to you? Does it feel like it's got legs that maybe the others didn't have for uh, for better better purposes? I think at this distance, it's impossible to tell, but it, it is an extraordinary reaction uh, that we're seeing, starting in the north of Iran, starting in the Kurdish areas of Iran, and then now spreading to uh, to all the major cities and uh, around the country uh, through social media and other other ways. We have ways of following the, the number of demonstrators, the amount of people who are out in the streets um, and who are being led by women, but but obviously uh, everybody's involved. I, I think it's very hard to tell. This is an extremely repressive regime. It, it has one of the worst human rights records uh, in the world, uh, uses the death penalty uh, willfully and, and, and without justification. Uh, lots of evidence of torture, unfortunately, tragically. Um, it's a really terrible government, um, and I wouldn't even call it a government, just a regime. Uh, but they they uh, they can do brutal things. It, it, oh, if you, I think in these circumstances, what there's a couple of things that that we have to keep our eye on. One of them is the economy. Uh, Iran is, has the advantage of being a uh, an oil country, so it, it can 
It can get revenues in a variety of ways, uh, and it's very hard to stop because of the very porous nature of the of the global oil economy at the moment. Um, uh, and, and we're seeing that with Russia as well. Uh, this, this, the second thing is, is to what extent do people in the army and do people in the militia begin to react to the fact that they're shooting their own people? They don't want to do that. They don't want to be in that position. And that's usually where these things, how these things move. Um, uh, and I, 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 beyond that, I think it would be just pure speculation as to what is likely to unfold uh, in this in this internal conflict. There's a lot of countries that are having serious internal conflicts that are terrible dictatorships. Um, Myanmar is another one. Mm-hmm. There's virtually a civil war underway. Um, they don't have the same economic strength, but Russia is supporting Myanmar in incredible ways. So. Again, it's like a, a brutal friendship between the the Myanmar dictatorship and the Russian dictatorship. It's a it's a tough time in the world today. It is, and and it it lands, I think, so much harder for Canadians. There's not just the Ukraine Airways plane um, being blown up, and and you know, in essence, right before the pandemic started. So that sort of slipped from the headlines, and it, it, you know, I understand why it did, but it's important to to keep it prominent. And it's also, you know, I know there's many people of Iranian descent right now saying, what, what can we do? What can our government do? But, you know, you've seen this with other federal governments. Um, I, I, Canadian politicians look like their hands are tied. And then it sometimes just looks like you're saying things instead of doing things, but outside of sanctions, outside of embargoes, um, we are limited. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, we are. I mean, but it's not just us that are limited. I mean, mm-hmm. we're limited. We, we can only do what uh, effectively what we can do in conjunction with a whole bunch of other countries. But one of the things we're having to come to terms with, and it's very difficult, is that as Western countries, uh, we can only do we can do a lot uh, and we have a lot of ability to, to seriously impact other economies. But it's a very crude weapon. Uh, sanctions remind me a lot of what chemotherapy was like in the in the 1950s and 1960s to some extent still is sometimes the the uh, the technique is, uh, is 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 really hard to target and it's really hard to say we're going to stop this from happening so we can stop this um, it's not that easy um, and I think we're all having to come to terms with uh, with that reality. I know, Joe, last thing for you, um, President Joe Biden's press secretary yesterday said there would be a consideration that the United States would grant asylum to Russian men that crossed the border that didn't want to fight in, that were getting conscripted into fighting. I've seen some of the video. There's 75-year-old guys, it looks like, getting conscripted, people with no military experience whatsoever. I don't know that we've had those conversations yet in Canada, but when we do, are there are there pros and cons with that consideration? We were more than willing to open our doors to Ukrainians, and we should have been. But I wonder if a if a you know a Russian that doesn't want to fight and kill Ukrainians wants to leave Russia for his or her own safety. Those are conversations we'd have to have, wouldn't they be? Yes, uh, they are, and they, we are we are having them. Uh, Minister Jolie um, expressed some thoughts about that last week, saying that it's something we have to. We have to consider. Uh, I think everybody's looking at that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you talk about seventy-five-year-old guys getting conscripted, you're <laughs> you're now talking about my territory. Well, right? and you don't want, and I, you shouldn't be in the military right now. I neither should I. I've had bad knees. Would, Nobody, no, neither of us should be. I think most people would agree with that. <laughs> uh, who are listening? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a sound perspective. 
No, I think I think it's I think it is something that everybody is 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 thinking about, um, and I suspect some decisions were made. It's hard to know exactly mm. where everybody is going as they go from where they are to Georgia or to uh, another neighboring country. Um, there, there, uh, there will be lots of demand mm. to go somewhere else in addition to where they mm. end up their first stop. Often in these situations, people go somewhere for their first stop and then they move on to the next one. Ambassador Bob Ray, thank you very much for your time today. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, I know our listeners enjoyed this as well. Uh, thanks for letting us check in with you on, on some really, really important uh, global issues that uh, that affect all of us uh, personally and and uh, as uh, as members of our great country. Thanks for the time today. Good to talk with you. There's Bob Ray, Ambassador of Canada to the United Nations, uh, of course, uh, living in New York City right now. Um, yeah, let, let, uh, let me update that, too. If I didn't give enough clarification on that yesterday, Karine Jean-Pierre said the U.S., would welcome Russian men seeking asylum. Now, I can understand people saying, what is this? Why is this our problem? What is a, why is this our problem is not an uh, unfair opinion. That's not an offensive opinion to me. Uh, there are European countries that could take on uh, some of the Russian men that are just flooding these border crossings, flooding airports. Putin says, I want to mobilize 300,000 reservists. Well, the country doesn't have 300,000 men to send into the battlefield, especially where it looks very hopeless right now. You've seen some of these videos, and I don't believe they're doctored where uh, the Russians are being told, you know, you need to go to stores and buy like like tampons to stop from bleeding. Uh, if you get a wound on your arm or your leg, you'll have to bring your own blankets. You'll have to bring your own coats like they're sending these. And, and, and as the weather's changing, sending these people into not just a brutal war, but brutal circumstances beyond the war. And those are two very different things. But I get it. Also, we got we got our own problems and the United States has their own problems. And the worry there would be, are you bringing in a Russian who has maybe been involved in fighting now chooses not to be and kind of can get away scot-free come to the u.s give me asylum and then you grant it to him there's great concern out there i get it people don't want to fight putin's war but there may be people already who have fought it and have said enough's enough I, I i don't know that that's north america's issue or problem